All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's uh, let's go ahead and and start with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again today, Lord, to thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, to hear your word, Lord. And as always, I ask you that these words be your words, not my words, Lord, that, that we can learn about you, Lord, through your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So a couple things this morning is uh, on the back table I put back there. I printed out, if you've ever wanted to read the Bible through from cover to cover in one year, I printed out a Bible plan and put it back there. And it tells you on January 1st what you need to read and it goes through. So to kind of keep you on track and you can check it off if you want one there back there. Also, I got us uh, bookmarks that have all the books of the Bible on it. So if you want one, maybe we can, you know, look at these and learn them. So, yeah, we're, we're going to cheat because, you know, that's what we do. Um, so if you want one after Sunday school, you know, coming around, just ask me. I'll give you one. Um, just some things I got for us. But we uh, so we started talking about the attributes of God because we've been talking about following God. And how can we, you know, follow a God that we don't even know who he is, right? Because there are other people and other entities that call themselves God, but we know they're not. Even Satan wants to be God, and we know he's not, right? So we started talking about the attributes of God, and we got down to a God being sovereign. And we're going to kind of review a little bit and get deeper into that because it's, it's a very important thing. Because uh, God is the only sovereign, and we need to understand that um, about being sovereign, right? And, and the word, like I said last week, the word sovereign is made up of two words. The root, the root verb is reign, okay? And reign means to rule. Okay, but the prefix, which is solve, uh, S-O-V-E, is is derived from from a word meaning super and it means above. So it's talking about to rule from above. Right. To to be super and ruling. That's sovereign. Okay, and God rules from above. Right. And and God is sovereign. and, And that means that he is above all. So God rules above all, above everything else that's ever been created, everything that's ever born and everything that thinks they're a God or a leader or a a dictator or a president or a a king. He's above them. Okay, and that's what we're talking about. And we need to understand because we can't just go, oh, sovereign. Oh, you mean like a king of England? So God's equal to the king of England? No. No, no, far from it. So we're going to review a little bit. So let's go to Deuteronomy ten seventeen, <clears throat> And we're going to try to go through these verses pretty, pretty quick and heavy today because there's a lot of them. But I want us to really understand this. Uh, Deuteronomy ten seventeen, the Bible says, For the Lord, your God, right? That's him. That's the one we're talking about. We're identifying who he is. For the Lord, your God, is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. So we're talking about that God, the one God, the supreme God, right? And if you talk about uh, the word sovereign, like I said, we broke it down. But if you look at the definition of sovereign, the noun means a supreme ruler, right? Especially a monarch, Okay, a supreme ruler. Okay, and then if you look at the adjective, it means 
possessing supreme or ultimate power. And that's our God. He is the supreme ruler and he does possess ultimate power. So we're talking about a sovereign God, right? A sovereign ruler. Okay, well, <clears throat> guess what? There's a lot of people in this world that spend their entire existence fighting against this God. And you think about it, there's other gods in this world, right? There's, you know, Muhammad, there's uh, Buddha, there's all kinds of gods, right? And they have all, some of them even spawn religions that follow them. Even the Pope is a god to the Catholics, right? So you have all these little mini gods running around, right? And people that follow them. But this is, it, this is kind of, kind of in, our God is individual because he is the one supreme God. And there's people that devote their whole lives to fighting against him. There's whole organizations out there that fight against this God. They don't fight against Buddha. They don't fight against the Pope. They, don't, they fight against the one supreme God. And that, that should tell you right there who the real God is. If you have groups of people that are fighting against you, that, that, that means that you're the number one. You're number one. And, and these groups, they're in full rebellion. What does that mean? That means insurrection, right? That means mutiny. They're in a revolution. They're revolt. They're an uprising against the one supreme God. And there's a group out there, I can't remember the name of it right now. It's really big in America, though. Oh, Freedom From Religion. You ever get on their website and look? It's all about how much they hate God. They are doing everything they can. In fact, they're one of the leading groups that got prayer pulled out of our schools. Okay? They're the ones that got the praying hands and the, and the books of the Bibles taken out of courtrooms and courthouses. Okay? They're big, huge organization. Okay? Fighting against God, right? And they're, what they're doing, this uprising, it's an outbreak, uh, it's an outbreak of, of rebellion against authority. And it's against the authority of who? The one sovereign God, right? And, and if, you're, if you're against God, it's called what? Blasphemy in the Bible, right? And that means that you have a disrespect for God if you're blasphemous, okay? Well, look at this one, apostasy. We've heard that word. We've heard in the end times, there'll be apostasy, apostasy, apostasy. And we think about, oh, that's a great falling away. That means people are just leaving church. Well, guess what? If you look at the definition, apostasy means a rejection of Christ. They're not falling away from the church. They're rejecting Christ. So it's not just means that I'm a Christian and I just quit going to church. No, Apostasy means you are rejecting Christ. What are you doing? You're fighting against the sovereign God, aren't you? And there's another word that popped up in there. It's called, and I'm going to butcher it probably, but uh, misotheliism. Misotheliism. That means a hatred of God. Not a hatred of gods. Hatred of God. The one God. Now, what other God has that much authority that people have groups against him. They have words described how much you hate him. That means he's supreme, right? Because they're fighting against him. So let's look at this. Let's go to first Timothy. First Timothy 614. <clears throat> We're still reviewing. So y'all just have to live with it. First Timothy 614 and 15. <clears throat> the Bible says, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unremarkable, uh, un, I'm sorry, unrebukable, until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Right? 
The only, right? The only supreme God. Let's go to Revelation 7.14. Revelation 7.14. I'm sorry, 17.14. Revelation 17.14 says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. Who's the Lamb? That's that supreme God right there. That's that sovereign God. For He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and they that are with Him are called chosen and faithful. Chosen and faithful. Those are the people that are standing with this one sovereign God. Revelation 19, 16. Let's look at this one. <clears throat> the Bible says, And He hath on His vesture which is his robe, right? On his, on his vesture. Um, and on his thigh, a name written. And this is Jesus when he's coming back. King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's in all caps. And we know what that means, right? That's to get your attention because they're shouting. King of kings and Lord of lords. This is our Lord. So this God we're talking about, he is, he is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. He is a great God. He is a mighty God. And it says he is a terrible God. And we talked about that. That means he's awesome. That's an 80s word. Awesome, right? But he's an awesome God. Right. And, and he is blessed. We've seen that. And he's the only uh, potentate, which is a person which possesses great power and authority. Right. And let's look at uh, First Chronicles back in the Old Testament. First Chronicles 29. <clears throat> First Chronicles 29. And 11 and 12 is what we're going to read. First Chronicles 29, 11 and 12, the Bible says, O thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from thee. And thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand is, <clears throat> it is to make great and to give strength to all. Wow. Wow. So what is, what is David telling us right there? Well, he's telling us that God has dominion over everything, right? Did you, read, did you hear that? He's over everything, okay? He is exalted over everything. He, 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 all riches and honor and, and come from God. Okay, he rules over everything. If you've been given anything in this life, God gave it to you. You know, like old President Biden, you might not have voted for him, but he's president. Well, who allowed him to be president? God did. God did. And we may think, what's God doing? Well, we don't see the bigger picture. God's going to have his glory no matter what President Biden does. God will have his glory no matter what person is in power. Okay. But remember, they were put there by God for a reason that we don't understand because he's that supreme authority. He's that sovereign God. He knows what's going on and we don't. Well, let's look at Psalms 22. Psalms 22. <clears throat> Psalms 22 and 27 to 28. Let's read that. Hold on. 
There we go. Psalms 22 and 27 through 28 says, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and and all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee, for the, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. Okay? So all kingdoms are the Lord's. And it says he's the governor of everything. So he has the supreme authority. He's the sovereign God. And he is, he's everything. He's the governor. He's the mayor. He's the king. king. He's everything because he has dominion. Why does he have dominion over everything? He created it. It's his. Okay. And guess who created you? He did. So guess who's under his authority? You are. And all these people that are fighting against God, they can fight all their life. And when they die, one day they're going to stand in front of God and they're going to realize they were wrong. And that's a bad, a bad time to come to the realization that you're wrong, right? You need to come to that realization while you're on this earth and God's giving you the, the mercy and grace to turn to him. So Psalms 103:19, the Bible says, The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens. And his kingdom ruleth over all. So he is the only supreme God, the only sovereign God that has a throne in heaven. There's no other ruler, no other king that ever has been born, that ever will be born, that has a throne anywhere except on this earth. You know, they could even one day have thrones put on the moon or on Saturn or, or any celestial planet that we might get to. Right? But it's still not heaven. Still not heaven. There's only one God that has a throne in heaven. So, let's look at uh, Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. See more about this sovereign God. Romans 9, 14 through 21. <clears throat> Romans 9, 14 through 21. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Bible says, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he, he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my, my power in thee and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will, he will hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, for what doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, What hast thou made, made me thus? Hath not the potter the power over the clay in the, of the same lump to make it one vessel unto honor and another vessel to dishonor? What are we talking about here? Well, talking about God is just the boss of everything, right? He controls everything. And as we saw there, you remember the story of Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh rose to power. He was the supreme ruler over Egypt. The Egyptians were in slavery. And God hardened his heart every time there was a plague. He wouldn't let his people go. Wouldn't let his people go. Wouldn't let his people go. God hardened his heart on purpose to bring glory to God, to show his supreme power. 
If the Pharaoh would have let him go at the first plague, let the people go, okay, that would have been wonderful. But look at all they went through, right? And God still delivered them. But God was in control of that Pharaoh, even though he was evil. God placed him there. God allowed him to be there because God has sovereignty over everything. And that little Pharaoh could have shook his fist at God and it wouldn't have mattered. Because you know what? He still had power over him. And he, he's that way in our lives too. When we stand up and disobey God, maybe we don't read our Bible, we don't pray, you know, or we get a bad spirit in us and we get a bad attitude towards someone or we're angry or, you know, all the things that come into our, our being, all we're doing is standing up in rebellion and shaking our fist at God at that moment. But he's still sovereign. It doesn't matter. We can, we can, we can be mad at the whole world and it doesn't matter because God's still God. And you're, he's still going to get glory no matter what you do. We can't affect him. Let's go to Job. Let's go to Job and let's read a few verses that go together. <clears throat> That's the way I feel. Okay, Job 23:13. The Bible says, "But he is in one mind, and who can turn him?" Talking about God. And what is what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. So God is one mind, and nobody can turn God. Nothing we can do can change God. Cuz he's got his one mind, and whatever he wants, it's going to happen. Okay, there's nothing we can do. God will still have his way in our lives. No matter if we turn against him, run and hide from him. He's still going to get the glory out of that. Let's look at Job uh, 42.2. And it's all because we're his creation, right? Job 42 verse 2 says, I know that thou canst do everything. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. Not even our thoughts are withholden from this sovereign God. Okay? Let's look at Psalms 115. Psalms 115 in verse 3. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. God does what he wants, right? Let's look at Psalms 135. Hope you all are getting this. He's kind of sovereign, right? Psalms 135 in verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas, and all the deep places. Okay? God is sovereign. Let's look at Isaiah. Because all these go together. Talking about his power and his majesty. And just he does what he wants with his creation, right? Isaiah 46. And let's read 9 through 11. The Bible says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God. How do you like that? I am God. Not I am the God or I am a God. No, I am God. He doesn't have to differentiate. And there is none like me, 
declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasures, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel for from a far country, yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have proposed, proposed it. I will also do it. Okay? I will do it. So God's saying there from the, from the beginning to the end, from the ancient times to the future, whatever he wants, he will do. Right? Let's go to Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Daniel 4.35. Daniel 4, verse 35. The Bible says, All the inhabitants of the earth. Who is that? Is that just the Christians? No. That means everything that takes a breath on this planet. All the inhabitants of earth are reputed as nothing. And he doth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none... Read that. None can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? So that means nothing that takes breath on this earth can stop God from doing anything, no matter how great they are. And nothing has the authority to even stand up and ask God what, is, what he's doing. What do you think you're doing, God? Can you imagine the audacity of doing that? Right? So God does what he wants to as he pleases with his creation. That's what these verses are showing us. So what are some things that God is sovereign over? And we're only going to go over some. But just to, just to show you how sovereign he is, right? Let's look at Job again. Job 36. Job 36. In verse 32. <clears throat> Job 36, 32. The Bible says, with clouds he covereth the light and commandeth it not to shine by the cloud that cometh betwixt. Okay, let's look at some more. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 10. See what else he's in sovereign over. Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10, 13. The Bible says, when he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings and rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. It's talking about storms, right? He controls everything. Let's look at Jonah. Go to Jonah. Little bitty book back here. Jonah, and let's read verses, um, chapter 1, verse 4. And we know this story, right? He controlled that fish. It says, chapter 1, verse 4 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Why was he doing that? Well, remember, Jonah got an order from God. And what did he do? We talked about it. He rebelled against God, didn't he? He goes, no, God, I, I'm not going there. I'm going to jump in the ship and I'm going to run away. And we talked about it in some earlier verses. You can't hide from God. 
And Jonah was trying to hide from God. And he was in that ship and he's like, I got this. I'm going to sail across the other side of this little sea. Because in his mind, that sea's a big sea, right? And I can hide on the other side. God sent a storm and it wasn't a little storm. It says the ship was about to break apart. Okay. And why is that? Because God was going to get the glory out of Jonah, whether Jonah wanted it or not. Right. Prime, prime example of us. Think about it. How many times do we just, nah, I ain't doing that, God. And what happens? We still do it. We may go through a lot of trouble. We're going to do what God wants us to do. And it may cause a lot of damage that we do to, those, to ourselves or those around us. But we're still going to do what God wants us to do. He's still going to get his glory. Okay. Let's look at Jonah 4, 8. Jonah 4, verse 8. says, And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished himself to die, and, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Why is Jonah going through so much pain? Because he's rebelling against God. He's not doing what God told him to do. So God said, I got you. Here's a vehement wind. Here's the sun. Enjoy yourself outside. Jonah wasn't having a picnic, right? And it was so hard on him. And that, do we not get that way in our lives sometimes? Have you ever been that way when you're so far in rebellion against God that you would just rather die? You ever been that depressed where you just want to die? If you are, stop and take a minute and think, Hmm, I'm at the point of depression. I want to die. What am I doing against God that causes me to be this way? Because I guarantee you, you're not doing something that God wants you to do. That's the only way you can get to that point. All these people in the mental institutions and they're on all these drugs for depression. If they would just stop and realize that there's one sovereign God and then look and think, what do I need to do to please this God? They'd be healed instantly. You know, it'd be amazing. So let's, let's keep going. Let's look at one more. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Like I said, we're not going to hit all the ones, but let's hit the main ones. Or the good, the, just the ones that, that I found that shows what he's sovereign over. Mark chapter 4, 41. Mark 4, and verse 41 says, And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another. Well, hold on. Let, let's... Let's read. I'm going to start reading verse 35 so we can see the context. Verse 35 says, And the same day when, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And, and, and when they had set away the multitude, sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish? So this wind has come up, this storm's come up and it's sinking these ships. It doesn't say about all the little ships that are with him. They may have sank. We don't know. But it, this ship is sinking and they go to Jesus and they ask him, Jesus, don't you worry about that we're dying? So here we go. And he arose he arose. So he got up immediately when they woke him, right? And what's the first thing he did? And he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. That's all he had to say. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. It wasn't a little calm. It was a great calm. So imagine going from, you know, 
Hurricane Harvey out here in the Gulf, and God says, peace, peace, be still. And all of a sudden it's sunshine, and the Gulf of Mexico is completely flat. That's what happened. He's amazing, right? And then verse 40 says, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Can we think about that in our lives? Why are we so fearful of what others can do to us or how our lives are going or how things may be not going right in our lives? Do we not have faith? Who do we have faith in? A supreme God, a sovereign God. So if things aren't going right in your life, stop and think, where is your faith? And how do you get faith? Reading the Bible, praying. Are you reading your Bible and praying? If you're not, then your faith's going to be little, right? So go on. We're now we're getting to the verse I wanted to get to. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What manner of man is our God? He is amazing because even the weather, even the weather is subservient to him. Even the weather is controlled by him. That's amazing. That's amazing. Let's look at some more. Y'all are getting me behind. Okay. Isaiah 46. Let's go back to Isaiah. Isaiah 46, 11. When you're thinking about how sovereign your God is and you just read these verses, it should make you want to jump up and, and shout, right? Not run around and not flop on the ground, but at least run up, jump and shout. Isaiah 46, 11, the Bible says, Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel is, far from, is from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have proposed it. I will also do it. Okay, so there we see he brought a bird. He called this bird from, a, from, from wherever it was to, to go wherever he wanted it to go, right? And let's, let's keep going. Let's look at uh, back to Jonah. Oh, Jonah. Poor Jonah. All he had to do was obey God, right? He went through it. Jonah 1.17. The Bible says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. So here's Jonah. Jonah... God knew Jonah was going to not do what he told him to do because it says that he prepared this fish. This fish had to be specially made by God ready for Jonah. Think about that, right? So God, the Lord, had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights all because he didn't listen to God. He didn't listen to the supreme God, the sovereign God, right? And I've heard people say that, oh, you know, science, there's no way you could survive three days and three nights in a fish, blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that story can't be true. But that all gets blown away with that first verse right there, the first words. God prepared that fish. So it wasn't just a regular fish. It was a fish that were prepared for the sole purpose of swallowing up Jonah and teaching him a lesson. So, yeah, Jonah could survive three days and three nights in that fish, Right. All because Jonah was hard-headed and didn't want to listen. Look at chapter 2, 
of Jonah, verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. So God, he prepared this fish. He told this great fish to swallow Jonah, and he gave Jonah time to think about it, right? And he'll do that in our lives, too. He'll give us time to think about how we're rebellious against him, won't he? And while we're there, it's, it's going to be pretty bad. It wasn't nice inside this fish. It wasn't like, you know, it was the Hilton inside there. It was the belly of a fish. It was pretty gross. Whatever the fish ate was in there. And it was decaying and nasty and dark and smelly and probably not very air conditioned, you know. But then God said, okay, that's enough. I've got your attention now, Jonah. So he told the fish, spit Jonah out. He didn't spit him out. He vomited him out. I mean, you came out with vomit, Jonah. That's pretty gross, right? But the fish obeyed, didn't he? The fish obeyed better than Jonah did. You think our God's not sovereign? Okay, so let's, uh, let's keep going. Let's look at Jonah 4.7. Jonah 4.7 again. It says, But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. So here's Jonah hiding under his gourd plant, getting away from the sun. But God said, watch this, I got a worm. And this worm's going to eat that gourd, and now the sun's going to cook you, Jonah. Right? God controlled that worm. And he prepared that worm, I guarantee you. There's probably another, another worm that could have ever done that in just a short amount of time, right? Let's look at Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. Your, your life is never, if it's ever to a point you're just angry and bitter and depressed and not going right, read Jonah. That'd probably get you straightened out, wouldn't it? Look what he went through. Matthew 10, and then you might want to stay away from the beach. There might be another great whale, right? Or great fish. Matthew 10, 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without, without who? Your father. Those birds won't fall out of the air unless God lets them fall. He's made them to fly, right? So what are we looking at these verses? All of these verses are teaching us. We saw that God was his, his sovereign over the weather. Now he's sovereign over the plant, the animal kingdom. He sends birds where he wants to. He sends fish to do what he wants. The birds can't even exist and fly. And you think about it, talking about the bumblebee. Science would say that a bumblebee is scientifically impossible to fly. It's not shaped right. The wings aren't right. They don't flutter right. Nothing works right. But guess what? The bee cruises, doesn't it? And it can rock and roll. If we ever built an airplane that was shape of a bee, it wouldn't fly. Because we can't, we can't, we can't copy God's creations. Okay? We can try, but we can't. But God told that bee, you can fly. You know? It's amazing, right? He's sovereign over that. Let's go back to Jonah. Jonah 4, 6. Jonah's just... It, Jonah is a short little book, but it shows God's power so much, you know. Why do I keep passing it? Jonah 4, 6. And the Bible says, And the Lord God prepared a gourd, right, and made it 
to come up over Jonah. Okay, he prepared this gourd, this plant, that one plant. Okay, he made all of them, but this one he made specifically for Jonah because he knew Jonah would be there. And it says, the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head and to deliver him from, from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. So God prepared this one gourd that day at that moment to, to grow up fast and shade Jonah, right? Even though Jonah was in rebellion against God, God's still showing grace. Isn't that the way he does in our lives? Even though we're stomping mad and not doing right, God still shows us grace, doesn't he? He still gives us breath in the morning. He still provides everything we need every day. Even though we may go to bed angry and wake up angry and go to work angry and finish the day angry, he's still there. He made that gourd. He, and it says he prepared it, just like that fish. He prepared that gourd. That gourd probably grew faster and stronger and, and bigger and more beautiful than any other gourd ever in history because God prepared it. And what was that gourd doing? It was obeying a sovereign God. Okay? So let's keep looking. Let's look at Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. So God's... Sovereign over the weather, he's over the animals, he's over the plants. Let's look at Proverbs 21. 21.1. What else is God sovereign over? Well, let's look at this. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. The king's heart, the ruler, a king, but his heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of waters... He turneth it whithersoever he will, whithersoever he will. So a king does what God tells him to, right? And that, that applies to a president or a dictator or anybody else, you know? They're in power because God allowed them to be there, but God still controls them. He does what he wants to with them. Whether, and that's what we've got to understand, whether they're a good leader or a bad leader, God's still in control. God's still in control, right? Daniel, let's go to Daniel. Let's go to Daniel uh, 2.21. Daniel 2, verse 21. The Bible says, He changes the times and, and the seasons. He removeth kings. Wow. And he setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge unto them that know understanding. So what does God do? He can, he can bring people to power. He can take them out. He gives wisdom and he gives knowledge. And he can also take it away. Okay? So God's pretty sovereign. Let's look at Daniel 4.25. And we know the story of Daniel, right? I mean, God controlled God was the sole control of the things around Daniel that Daniel didn't, you know, didn't get ate up by lions, did he? Right? He survived a lot of stuff because God was in control. Now, what if God would have been unfaith or Daniel would have been unfaithful back then instead of following God like he should? Read the book of Daniel. Daniel went through a lot, but he stuck by, stuck by God no matter what. He just, yes, God, I got it. I got it. I'm right here with you. I'm, I'm obeying. I'm obedient. And we see how he blessed him. And look at Jonah. Jonah was rebellious, right? He went against God. But look what he went through. Let's look at Daniel. 
425. The Bible says that they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen and they shall shall wet thee with the dew of heaven and, and seven times shall pass over thee till thou know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. What happened there? God made a king a beast for seven years. For seven years until that beast finally looked up and acknowledged, okay, you're right, you're God. How would you like to do that? Do you think you could ever get to the point to where you're, you're so angry against God and so rebellion and so just not listening to him that he can make you a beast of the field? He might not do that exact thing to you, but he might let, let you get in some bad places, right? Because that's a sovereign God. It's a sovereign God. Let's look at Romans 13. Romans 13, 1. The Bible says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are ordained of God. So there's no power, no power higher, no power in this world that is higher than God, no power that is, is not controlled by God. So no matter how great these rulers think they are, they're, they're nothing. They're fodder. They're nothing. They're dust. And let's go to Revelation 17, 17. Here we go. Revelation 17, 17. The Bible says, For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill His will. Okay? It doesn't matter who you are. God can put His will in your heart and make you fulfill it. And to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So all these verses, what are we looking at? God is sovereign and He has the power over all humans. Over all of us. Even the great rulers. Right? Let's look at Isaiah again. Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44 and 28, and then we're going to read to into 45, right? Isaiah 44, and then we're going to read into the first, chap, first verse of 45. Isaiah 44, 28 says, Thus saith, saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple, thou foundation shall be laid. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loosen the loins of the kings to open before him the, the two uh, levied gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Okay? This is God controlling. He's sovereign. And this was Cyrus, a great king, right? God's still telling him what to do and making him do it, right? Let's go to Romans 9.17. Romans 9.17. You think you can disobey God? Probably not, probably not in your best interest, right? Romans 9.17, the Bible says, For all, for the scripture saith unto the Pharaoh... Even for this same purpose have, have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. 
That was old Pharaoh, remember? We talked about him. He was shaking his little fist at God. But God put him there. God raised him up. God used him for his glory and for his will, right? And it was what? Right there. So God's name would be declared through all the earth. And even, and we read the Old Testament, we see even, even after the Israelites crossed, the, crossed, you know, on dry ground and they went on and they battled against these other lands, those other people they were coming up against, they knew. They had already heard the story. You talk gossip, gossip spread, didn't it? They heard about the Pharaoh. They heard about the plagues. They heard about the Red Sea. They knew that the Israelites were coming and they knew who the Israelites' God was. There were several of them. We read the accounts. They tricked the Israelites. They tried to make treaties with them. They tried to make peace because they knew if they didn't, their God was going to hurt them because that God is sovereign. That one true holy God, right? And, and God is sovereign over the greatest human beings on this earth. We've seen that. He is sovereign over all human beings. He, all human rulers have, are given their authority by God. And, and they're merely instruments in God's hands, what we're looking at, right? Because what are they instruments for? To accomplish God's purposes, to bring glory to God. And why is that? Because God is sovereign, right? He, he has the right to tell us what to do because he's sovereign, he has the right in, in our Bible. He tells us to submit to him. Why does he have that right? Because he's sovereign. He created us. And he tells us that, you know, what we should do and, and where we should do it and, and who we should do it with and, and how we should do it. Right. And why we should do it. Why does he have that much authority? Because he is the God that created us. He is God, the father in heaven. He is sovereign over everything. That's what we're trying to talk about today. Okay. And there's only one response to God's commands, right? It's unconditional obedience. And this starts with surrendering ourselves to God. And when does that start? At salvation, right? And it continues the rest of your life. If you're truly saved, once you get saved, you submit to God, you submit to God the rest of your life, right? Because you're obeying God's word. And that's the Bible. And because God is sovereign, we can rest secure, right? He's going to take care of us. Just like those birds in the air. They, they can fly because God told them they can fly. That bee that shouldn't be able to fly is cruising along because God said it could, right? And he's holding it up. God controls all things. Nothing happens without God's permission in this world, right? And this fact should give you great comfort. And, and we don't have to worry about anything because, remember... We're all in God's hands. Everything is in God's hands, whether it's good, whether it's evil, right? Our only concern is what we should do when he tells us to do, right? And, and that leaves, then we leave, leave the results of whatever happens to him. But if he tells you to go outside and mow the grass, it may seem silly. But if he wants you to mow the grass, he wants you to mow the grass for a reason. We don't have to understand. The results are going to be his. Let's go to First Chronicles Real quick, First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles 29. Way back in the Old Testament. Let's look at this. First Chronicles 29. And let's read 10 through 13 real quick. The Bible says, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, for our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and all that is in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. 
<clears throat> Both riches and honor come from thee, and thou reignest over all and, in all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Why is that? Because God is sovereign, we should worship him. That's why we worship him. One more verse, Revelations 19.6. If you don't believe our God is sovereign. Revelations 19.6. The Bible says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Wow, that's in heaven. That's in heaven one day, right? The whole heavens and the whole earth will be glorifying and reigning and saying, Alleluia. Alleluia. Why? Because the Lord God that is omnipotent reigns. That's a sovereign God. And that's why we worship him. And that's why you should be obeying him. So look at your life. You know, are you Jonah or are you Daniel? Figure out where you're at and then follow God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to open your word and read your verses and just maybe a better understanding of who you are and, and that you are sovereign and why we should be following you and obeying you in every aspect of our lives, Lord. I ask you to just to be with us the rest of this day as we continue to learn about you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.